Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome, welcome everyone. Between 30 and 40 other major wars going on on the planet right now. A lot of fear, a lot of terror. Let's just write in the chat, just how are you feeling about all this? What's coming up for you? Looking, I'm going to start out in a minute with a meditation. Again, just taking a little time to let people come in. Let's see. Grief. Yeah. Yeah, sadness. Distress. Mm -hmm. And you might want to add in there what's happening in your body. Because mm -hmm. we often forget to really check in. What What's happening? I have these emotions that are moving in me and happening me. But what's happening in my body? You know, is it tense? Is it constricted? Is it overwhelmed? Is it feeling anxiety? What, what's happening in your body? I think it's really important churning in my belly. Not sure. That's that's a really that's a really honest observation there, because you know, not knowing is a numbing of our senses, and it's very easy uh, in these times to to want to numb ourselves out to not have to feel. And actually, part of what this is opportunity is, is to actually feel the feelings so we we can stay attuned and the feelings move through us and guide us. So uh, yeah, numbing and shutting down, exactly. And that's a lot of what's happening. So we'll just wait another minute and then we'll start a meditation. So... I'll do a little bit of a guided meditation today and really with the intention of deepening our embodiment and our connection with our emotions, uh, just to bring us into a deeper state of presence and awareness so that even, even this, this little meditation and time together can help us to deal with and cope with and meet and experience what's happening in the world. So again, lovely if you can turn your camera on and uh, it's fine if you don't, but I, I love seeing who I'm with here. So, okay, I'm gonna invite you to get into kind of a meditative state. So maybe sitting with a straight spine. I always like to touch my chin to my chest mm -hmm. and feel the tightness in my cervical vertebrae raising my head so it's level and I have a straighter spine. So it's really nice to have a straight spine to allow ourselves to really feel that energy that moves in our spine. And maybe begin to close our eyes and just check in. Very good. So just again, sitting with a straight back and just feel the simplicity of just being in a body feeling our weight, feeling our feet on the earth. And take a moment to imagine that we're all rooted in the same earth. There's literally roots coming out of our feet into the soil and being informed by the earth itself, which means also being informed by our ancestors and honoring and bringing in our ancestors as support for this work that we're going to do today. And noticing our breath. How am I being breathed right now? Allowing my breath to just center me, help with grounding, feeling my pelvis on the chair. Hmm my lower belly.
And maybe extend the out breath just a little bit, which will help deepen our connection with our body, making the out breath a little bit longer. And beginning by just looking at our interior, what's happening in our inner body right now? Does it feel spacious and open and alive? Or maybe it feels tight and tense, contracted and stiff. Uh, stiff. And just really attuning to not trying to change anything. We're just trying to look at where, what's happening in my body. And we're merging our awareness and our perception. And with an intention, bringing attention into our inner body. And in the inner body, you'll discover that there's movement. The more space, perhaps the more movement in our body. Noticing maybe the tingling in my hands or my feet, movement in my belly or chest. And then I'll also notice tension, particularly looking for chronic tension, familiar tension, maybe in my back and my shoulders or neck, my jaw or hands, legs. I'm just moving through the body. Notice how we can move our attention with our intention. If we notice, say, our right shoulder, pay attention to that a moment. And then maybe our left hip. And see how we can move our awareness through the body and deepen and refine our perception. And for some of us, it might just feel numb. And that's not nothing, that's information. So we have tension in the body and we have numb, numbness in the body and we have movement. And just feel a, a, a settling of the core down through the pelvis, our base. And we're not trying to change anything. We're just trying to attune with our own body. And we have a, a field here of awareness and participants. Perhaps feeling into the fact that I'm not alone here. There are people all over the planet right now that are engaged in our little circle. And the more I can feel myself, the more I can feel into, how does it feel to be in this group? Do I feel safe? Does it feel scary? Do I feel open or contracted and closed? So we not only have our own inner body experiences, but we, and the recognition of being fully connected in this group, you're a part of this group. And while we may be far apart, in Canada and all over the US, Europe. At the same time, in a very real way, our nervous system can feel us, 
can feel each other. So we're creating a we space, a connected space. And just breathing into that larger sense of being part of a collective space, a collective nervous system. And within that nervous system, there are emotions. Emotion, emotions are movement also. So we're really looking in the body to see what, what emotions are present for me right now. Love, fear, anger, joy, compassion, sadness, grief, overwhelm, shame, rage. And just feeling into our emotional sense. And emotions are in the body. They're not in the mind. So we're staying in the body for a moment. And a lot of times when it doesn't feel safe or when we have trauma from the past, we shut down our emotions. And that's a legitimate thing is to have our, when it wasn't safe as a child or in overwhelming situations, we shut down our emotions. It's safer not to feel than to feel. But that's an intelligence. That's the intelligence of a nervous system that's been evolving for millions of years. And then we have our collective nervous system and feeling into just those of us who are on this call. What are you feeling? What are you experiencing in my own inner body, but also my sense of my connection with the field, with the other people who are here. And then just noticing whatever you notice as we shift our attention to the mind, what's happening in the mind? Is it still and spacious and open? Or is it tight, contracted, strategizing, trying to figure things out? And just allowing ourselves to notice that. Can we let the mind just settle? Like muddy water in a glass, the, the mud settles and we bring some clarity to the mind, some stillness, tapping into that greater stillness that's all around us. The eternal stillness that's always there. And so just to ground ourselves to get ready for a conversation together, an interaction together. And taking a few deep breaths. And as you're ready, slowly bringing yourself back into the room, back into the, the field here. And I want to start out by uh, my friend Muffy has a beautiful poem that uh, I'd like to start out with my desperate and sad prayer. So Muffy, could you let me unmute you if you're not, are you on? Uh, yeah, you are unmuted. Good. Yeah. So this is, um, this is from Jeff Foster and he does call it my desperate and sad prayer. I I pray, I pray for Israel, I pray for Palestine, I pray for all of us now. And if you condemn me for taking sides or judge me 
for not taking sides, then maybe you don't understand the depths of this love. Because love itself is the prayer and the one who prays and the longing and the light and the darkness and the answer. And so I pray for you too, for all of your conflicting parts, for all the children fighting within you. And I pray for you to know the consciousness prior to identity. I pray for you to know the I am itself. Before I am a Palestinian, before I am an Israeli, before I am Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, or an atheist, before division itself, before any notion of God or her absence, before time, before all of this began, before the world, the joy and the sorrow of living, before territory and history, I am what you are. I am your rage, your grief, your loneliness, your fear, your vulnerable heart, your powerlessness, your shaking. And through these non-dual eyes, perhaps we can finally love each other in spite of our beliefs, in spite of our ancient rage and our lust for revenge, in spite of religion, in spite of what the holy books tell us to think. You are my brother, my sister, my child, my mother, my father. I pray for love to permeate the world before it's too late. I pray for awakening. I pray for Palestine. I pray for Israel before it's too late. I pray for all the children, all the babies, all the mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, friends and enemies. I pray for the end of hostilities before it's too late. I pray for all those who are scared right now. I pray that my small, sad prayer helps in some way, even in some small way, even in some tiny way. I pray for you. I pray for me. I pray for us. I pray. I Mm, thank you, Muffy. That kind of sets the tone. Just before I, I came on here, I was watching a video of an Israeli mother who lost her 20-year-old son. She made a plea, please this is, do not take revenge. I lost my son. That's enough life to be lost. And um, I think it's a really powerful time that we could bring an enormous healing to the world out of what's happening, or we can continue in the direction we're going and end up where we're headed, which is total annihilation of the human race. And I think it's th that each of us, uh, it's that it's really important that we feel into and open. You know, I've been sitting there, how can I make a difference? What difference can I make? You know, I'm just one person, what can I do in the forces of war and power and good and evil and all of these things? And, you know, what I can do is what uh, one of my teachers, Thomas Hubel, calls global social witnessing, to really be able to witness and to work with what's happening in myself. Because for me, the war is not out there. It's happening inside all the feelings and emotions and sensations that are happening. So I I want to have this be a dialogue. I, I don't have any answers. <laughs> I want to be clear about that. I have a lot of questions and a lot of feeling the turmoil of it all. So I want to just open it up for people to say or respond to What's occurring in you? And what do you see that, you know, how do you see this uh, impacting you? And how do you move forward in a world that just 
seems like so much madness. And if we listen to the the news media, the news media tends to decide what's important in our life and the social media. What's happening right now is definitely important. We're at a turning point. And um, so I'd like to invite some voices in, some questions or comments in. I ask you to look to the body and the emotions versus the mind and the story, but all is welcome. And I want to honor the re the resistance of taking sides. And, and that's fine, um, but I want to explore that with you. So in order to ask a question or make a comment, there's a raise hand bar at the bottom. So this is a dialogue, and I'm just inviting you into the dialogue. And while Muffy and I are narrating in a way, it's really meant to be a dialogue. This was originally supposed to be a talking about the upcoming programs of the relational intimacy, but this is way more important than that. And I might mention that at the end, but please. Yes, thank you. Hello, Michael, Hi. everybody. Uh, so I wrote a little it's it's a little story the other day in in the form of a fairy tale and i believe it touches on your questions of how i feel uh even though it's told in the way of a story but uh i as i'm speaking i do feel shaky it, and my heart feels heavy so this is entitled the jewish american princess blood on her hands once upon a time, there was a girl born into a Jewish family. The family lived in the United States. The little girl grew up in an ancestral lineage and societal environment where people of her color and religious background thought of themselves as special, entitled victims. The societal structure was also built on blame and shame. There was much greed and corruption. So this little girl grew up to be a woman and secretly, if not openly, deemed herself better than people of color, people who did not speak English. In other words, most people. She was living in a bubble, a trance. As she began waking up to the divinity within herself, she recognized this divinity in all people, all animals, all life forms. She heard of atrocities that had happened, but none touched her as deeply as what happened when war broke out, a horrific bloody war between the people of the land of Israel and the Palestinians, who, particularly Hamas, who were living on the land Israel claims to be theirs. The fight goes back generations and generations into generational trauma. She could not understand fighting. She was disgusted and angry that the country in which she lives supports literally and figuratively war. They spend tons of money on manufacturing weapons and sends them to other countries. But most of all, her heart hurts and her tears fall. Her tears are the same as the tears of all humans, all sentient beings. They are sacred. So this human being no longer considers herself royalty. She tries to embrace all life and live morally. She is humbled. She feels she has blood on her hands for her complicity by living in a trance. She wakes up to the horrors that she has harbored and tries to cleanse her thinking and actions. That's beautiful. Thank mm. you for allowing me to share Of course, that. of course. And one of the things that I just want to point out there that jumped out at me before you even said it is the, the humility of it. You know, and I think right now that's a really important characteristic 
to cultivate is not knowing and the humility of it and to be able to resist the tendency to take sides and embrace that not knowing and and also you know we we look at this and we're dealing with a lot of current and ancestral trauma that's behind it and that trauma also lives in us and i think that recognizing our own trauma responses and our own unhealed parts that one of the opportunities here is really to be able to integrate both our childhood traumas, our life traumas, our cultural traumas, our ancestral traumas, all the different trauma that we carry in ourselves. which trauma breaks relationship. When we have trauma, we feel separate, we feel alone, we feel that there's a some kind of lack and that something's wrong. And it's usually something's wrong with us that then we want to suppress and not really explore. So I love I love your story. And obviously you're it's very you. <laughs> very much you. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else want to jump in with anything or any comments or questions or feelings that you want to explore? Someone, someone said to me, how is this happening? I don't know that that's the right question, but it's a much better question than whose fault is it? How is this happening? I think that's a really important question to look at. Muffy, please. I'm aware right now, I mean, I can see I've been going through all kinds of emotions, but right now in this moment, I'm just feeling so much grief so much grief and i i like what you just said in the sense of um knowing it's yes it's the grief and the heartbreak of what's happening in israel and palestine and ukraine it's also personal grief personal trauma being triggered by this and what 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 matters to me right now in this moment is to be in the space where I can just feel that grief with others and not have anyone change it, make it different. <laughs> Tell me I shouldn't feel it. <laughs> I, I've sort of been conditioned to not feel grief and sadness. Um, and I think it's really important to, to give ourselves the space um, to feel what we feel and um, and to feel grief and to feel it in a container with other people. So um, thank you and, and thank you, Michael, for offering us this space to just be with what whatever we're, whatever we're experiencing now. Yeah, it's so it's so important what you're saying, particularly the part about we've been conditioned not to feel. Much of this comes from attachment but it's also collective and cultural, but much of it comes from our early attachment phase where it wasn't safe to feel. It was safer to not feel than feel. And so we've learned to suppress our feelings, to push them down, to not tune into them. So there's a huge opportunity in how we hold the grief and the feelings that want to be expressed and the terror and the anger and the hatred, all of them are in us. And, and so many of them have been suppressed and suppressed emotions that, wasn't, that weren't safe to express cause a lot of illness. When we suppress those emotions, the immune system uh, is constantly causing inflammation. It's the uh, stress hormones, the cortisol, all of the in inflammation that it creates. And it's very clear that suppressed emotions are what cause disease, disharmony, heart attack, autoimmune diseases. All of these things are directly related to this. So on, on a personal level, this repression is uh, making an impact on our ability to be healthy and whole and at inner peace. But on a collective, it's also 
creating disharmony, dis-ease, hatred, war, separation. All of these traumas that are happening in us are happening out there. And my sense is that the more that we can feel them in us, the more we will be guided and clear as to what are the appropriate actions to take. Because I'm not saying that we shouldn't take action, that we just sit on a cushion, but the actions of, you know, looking from the place of what do I stand for in my life? Or uh, Mary Oliver says, what will I do with the one precious life I've been given? Well, this is a great opportunity and opening for us to live inside that question, not to answer it, but to live it and allow ourselves to feel it. And as we're allowing ourselves to do our own inner healing, and we do that, you know, most of us were wounded in relationship, which is why many of you know I do these trauma circles, is because if you were wounded in relationship, doesn't it make a lot more sense to heal in relationship? And I watch individual clients that I work with, how fast they integrate and, and heal. And integration means that I'm able to feel those things, those parts of me that through trauma were split off, that were repressed, that were suppressed, that were dissociated. But then when you look at how quickly, like in this group, in the circle, People say, oh, yeah, I'm feeling that. I feel that, too. And it, it like gives us permission to go into that territory that we sometimes think we're the only ones that feel that way. And so I really want to just honor that. So thank you. Uh, yeah, so I was going to say, you know, that I relate to what said, you know, that I get into feeling privileged while I'm safe, you know, and that's a way of protecting myself you know i am jewish and that is a, a way one way that i that i'm relating but i really related to what michael just said about letting myself feel the feeling that that it's okay to feel because i can just kind of numb myself out and uh at least i i know that i'm doing it mm -hmm. and that you know it has a protective function yeah, so I'm just taking all this in, you know, and it's really helpful. So thank you. Thank you. Lovely to have you with us. Thanks so much. So I'm uh, I'm calling from uh, Montreal in Canada. I'm actually uh, originally Lebanese and uh, very distraught by what's happening in the Middle East. So it's so it's it is a feeling of grief, and uh, what I'd like to share is how easy it is to slip from the feeling to not hold on to just the grief and it's so easy to to quickly go to anger or or rage as you as you mean to 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 get away from that from from a place that suffers you know and uh since i don't i am not in survival right now because I'm not in the midst of the bombs or a danger of a bomb. I believe it's my duty to hold a space. I love the poem that you read, Muffy. It's that holding that space of someone who's not under the fire, who can go into a place where identity doesn't matter, that it's there's something beyond identity. It doesn't matter whether I'm Lebanese or Jewish or Palestinian. And really, it's this path back to just holding that pace, place of grief for me that, that is kind of the alchemy place where I can just, uh, even, you know, when you, when you talk about we're all traumatized and then it's like going back to the trauma, it puts me in my mental self. And it's, it is another escape, you know. The reason why I wanted to, to come here, it's very uneasy for me to be with a bunch of strangers. Uh, but I thought that's a good exercise is to, to, to grieve with a bunch of strangers and then in a virtual environment and to dare to, to you know, put the mic on and, and speak versus, you know, being with friends and, 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 and with the same familiar type of thinking. So, so for me, this gathering is, is a mean to, to go to the other, 
you know, to whoever I consider the other and then just sit there together in, in, a non, in, in this not knowing, in this we don't know, you know, and just hold that space. So thank you for this and great thank you for this poem. Is it possible to write the name uh, of, I don't know if it's available on uh, on the internet, but I would love to have it. I can Thanks. also send it send it out to everyone, but yes, let's put it in the in the chat. Amati. All right, thank you. Thanks. Too. Yeah, and thank you. I just just so much in what you said. It's really brilliant. I like the word alchemy. I feel that that's what we're doing. First of all, that there's an alchemy in connecting authentically and openly stepping through the fear and the resistance to be seen and actually allowing our voice to be heard and seen. So first of all, thank you for that. That's really beautiful. I wanted to say something that just what you were saying brought up for me, and that's about hate. And I think it's really important to, you know, hate is like an off-ramp from feeling, kind of a relief from our anger you know, it's like I can direct my attention out here with hate. But if I actually begin to feel what's under that is the anger and the grief that's under that. And then when I feel that, that's where the alchemy, I can begin to integrate and open myself and create more capacity to feel. And if I have more capacity to feel, I have more capacity to connect that. So when we have that sense of hate or even uh, just anger or the uh, grief, what if we allowed ourselves to feel a sense of bewilderment? Like really allowing ourselves to be like, I am so sad. I have no idea how to deal with this. I am bewildered and I don't know. And in that creates a capacity to deeper, to more deeply feel. And I think that's really important. Uh, also blame along with hate. It's uh, blames an escape from feeling our own pain, our fear, our shame, our anger, our rage, our grief. When we point out there, we don't have to point in here. But all of these feelings that we have are what connects us because being able to feel our emotions, that's the fabric of our ability to connect. Part of why we don't feel safe in the world is we don't feel safe in ourselves, and we don't allow ourselves to feel the feelings. When we begin to feel them, then I connect with you and I connect in you, with you in your fear or I connect with you in your, your anger or your grief because I can feel you because I can feel myself. But if I'm numb, I can't feel you. And that brings fear. That brings anxiety. That sh says it's dangerous because I don't know if I'm safe. Uh, the other thing that you said that came up for me was around the mental self. We, we cannot do healing from a cognitive place, only from an embodied and an, and an emotionally aware space can we do the healing work because that's what allows us to connect with each other. Again, our emotions connect us to each other. So the more we're able to feel, the more we're able to connect. The more we're able to connect, the more we have creativity, innovation, opportunity. We see possibilities that weren't there before. This woman I watched earlier talking about her 20-year-old who was, who was killed and she did not want revenge. And and yet she was feeling it all. You know, if that goes viral and the people who feel, feel, if it goes big enough viral, it could, it has the capacity of stopping people in their tracks. I was bawling for 10 minutes before this. I wasn't even sure I could come on because of feeling this person's feelings. So feeling ourselves, feeling others is really important. Let's... Here are some more voices here and what's what's coming up in the conversation. Please, thank you. That's okay. Um, thank you for holding space for this today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot moving in me around all of this. And 
I follow many spiritual paths and I'm not I'm trying not to take sides and also be supportive to the Jewish family and friends in my life and Palestinian people. Um, and I don't post on social media very rarely. And I read this thing today um, from a community I'm a part of that said something to the effect of, you know, if you haven't posted something in solidarity of Jewish people, your Jewish friends are don't feel safe with you. And and that really weighed heavy on my heart because I've I've reached out individually to to people that I'm closest to. Um, and I'm feeling like there's this pressure to be a certain way in the communities that I'm in here in Chicago. And um and I'm I'm struggling with that. I'm sitting sitting in the liminal space of the the betweenness of that um i i grew up catholic and i know i have christian privilege um and i was at a family um, event on sunday and the pastor was it was a non-denominational church of my cousin for her baby shower and the pastor was talking about what was what the conflict and the war and from this very Christian and a particular brand of Christian perspective. And, and basically in my understanding, justified retaliation and, and, and made this distinction between, oh, well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek if you're persecuted in my name. Well, nobody's, you know, persecuting anyone in Jesus' name. So, you know, it was sort of like back to this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of rhetoric that I just felt deeply saddened by. And that my cousins that are going and listening to this and going to this. And I I I've just been I've been holding that since Sunday. And it's hard to know, yeah, where where it's okay to talk about these things without further inciting others. And my intention really is to come from a place of love and understanding and, and curiosity, like for that pastor, for my cousins, for my Jewish friends who are incited about the leftist Palestine, pro-Palestine marches going on in the city and, and that are wounded by that. And I really, want to be um i want to be in a place where i can hold space for that and also need to honor you know my feelings around all of this which also feels like i i have the privilege to engage or not engage in it as much as i i want to or am willing to or feel equipped for in a similar way with with involvement in the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-racism initiatives. The last thing I'll share is last night I, I or this morning I woke up from a dream about the end of the time, uh, the end, the end times are near. This this feeling of this foreboding feeling that's been present with me today, and amidst all of it, I just keep coming back to this question of what is mine to do here. Thank you. Thank you. So heartfelt. I'm really feeling you and the dilemma. Trying not to take sides. That's a, I think there is a tendency to take sides mm -hmm. and it takes a deeper look at the history and, you know, how things have evolved. I get really upset with our government and the overwhelming mm -hmm. pro-Israel and I have so many Israeli friends that are all over the map, actually. I've been dealing and consulting to a number of different people. But this control of the media is placing us in a very difficult position. And like you're saying, what your, what your Jewish friend said, you're either with us or you're against us. That's a kind of emotional blackmail that happens. And I think one of the things that can help dissuade that is being clear about what you're for. So 
what are we for? Rather than looking at which side am I, uh, uh, I'm on, it's like, well, what am I really for? I'm for less violence. I'm for safety. I'm for not killing innocent people, not kidnapping and murdering innocent people, not sending rockets and destroying homes and families and not assassinating innocent people. I'm for not hating other groups and religions due to actions of usually a minority of those people. I'm for respect. I'm for creating a safe world for children to grow up into. So I guess you could say I'm I'm on all sides. So I think we have to look at what we're for and have the moral courage to stand in that and what's right. And to do that, we have to trust our gut. You know, our gut brain is much more powerful and more aware than our mental brain, uh, our cognitive brain. So really trusting and feeling, you know, our neurotransmitters are numbed by trauma. And so we have to really feel into the body uh, and recognizing the othering, the projecting, the absencing, the, the, the tendency to avoid what our gut knows. You know, think about times when you've said or done something or you've had something said or done to you and your gut feeling was like, that's not right. And yet you, you went ahead because you felt you needed to go along with like what you're talking about, or I won't belong, I'll be rejected. All the, all the things that are around that sense of, you know, but we need to now at this point, look at what do we stand for? What do we, and then exploring the, our own personal discomfort and pain and anger and rage. Like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't want to, but, you know, she had the courage to say, I need to speak. My voice is important. Your voice is important. In no way does this mean that we condone or support the killing and the tra t horrible terror and the things that are going on. But if we take sides and we we want to destroy our enemy. If we want to destroy our enemy, what we're guaranteeing is we're creating new enemies. The minute we want to destroy that. So to feel the anger and a healthy no, yeah. But also to feel compassion when we can say no to our friend and say, no, I'm not taking a side here. I'm for the side of peace and justice and love. And to stand in that, because the minute we want to destroy the enemy, you know, the story of Hercules and killing the Hydra, the water monster. Every time that he'd chop a head off, two more would come up. Well, that's what we're talking about. This is a Hydra situation here. And if we chop off a head, two more will grow back. So I think you used the term betweenness, something like that. And be able to feel the vulnerability and the discomfort of being in the betweenness. I love that word, you know, can we can we sit in the in-betweenness and recognize the terror and the trauma that other people are feeling, that we're feeling, and yet be there in a space of listening, of loving, of opening, and still standing for what we stand for. Hi, please. Good to see you. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm I'm really feeling this sort of place of being in two different frequencies, and I've literally felt it. Sort of the 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 poem that Jeff Foster poem was really really meaningful to me. I really want to get a copy of that, and I could feel how it in terms of like my heart space. I could feel this this an opening, and knowing Michael, uh, you know, there's a sense of safety and trust in coming into a group. I don't know. These reflections also, I felt like, oh, there was this frequency of sort of safety and openness. And, and I also feel it's like a, it's like a different frequency. It's like de definitely went into my gut of real fear and disruption, very activated. 
one of the, the impacts of all of this, I've been working on healing um, a lot of trauma my grandmother had for quite a while. And then there's, there's, there's like more that's emerging. And my grandmother was brutally attacked as a child in a pogrom and dislocated, sent to America by herself as a teenager. My grandfather, the different, my father's father witnessed his father, who was a rabbi, beaten to death in front of him and was sent to America as a 13-year-old child by himself. And these are just, I've been working in, in the Thomas Hubble world quite a bit in terms of like, I can see and feel the, the impact of these traumas in my family. It's so dramatic. And I'm working on releasing. And there's like, particularly my grandmother, because she lived with us, that impact is so roiling and so intense. And it's really left me with, with a lot of fear. And I and I feel it here actually. It's it's kind of disturbing because I and I have to say, just that term, the Jewish American princess terminology, it was instantly like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Because my whole life has been watch out, watch out, you know, watch out because I've I've had experiences myself. And so I'm embedded with like an experiential dynamic of like that being Jewish is dangerous and it has continually to be dangerous. It was literally dangerous for my family and it still is for me. And then this is more like an energetic danger. And I felt like this tension around this sense of openness and, you know, instead of being held, but then also this kind of contraction because I can feel the tumultuousness around the, you know, the, like Jew as other again and, and how it's roiling up because it's in our collective field. Like, and that's dangerous and it's literally dangerous. You know, the, the temples that I know, they're like, security and and so i'm in this dual place you sort of mentioned that as well of of like um feeling the power of what got evoked with with jeff's poetry feeling that really and that is guiding my being that is guiding so much of what i do and engaging in the world and at the same time i'm really really activated and concerned that you know there's that balance of how I can be open to, I love how that poem ended, that sense of I and all oneness, but I, I, I have to protect myself because I have learned over and over it's dangerous. And it starts from an idea, it starts from an othering. And I kind of felt that that Jewish American poem was doing that. And I get the bigger sense of it, but it, boy, it really was just like, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. And I could feel myself contract. And so I'm just, I am, like I said, I, I'm in the middle how you evoke that if you get the term utilized of just sort of, all right, just doing. And I do find, I'm glad to see the Thomas Hubble practices you're engaging because I found those incredibly effective and really helpful. But there's a different degree of activation happening because of all of this and because of my ancestral trauma that's really vivid in my life. It, it was very bad in my life. So I'm in a in a complex place, and again, I really uh, how important it is to create that that field. And I've been in other gatherings, like reading that poem should be the way most meetings start. I really loved it. So thanks for again, Michael, for for being. I wouldn't if it wasn't you, I wouldn't have come forward. Like the the fear and the danger coming up would have been like nope. But I really appreciate your presence here. So thank you very much. Thank you. I really feel you and and uh you know term the in-betweenness uh and the the challenge of of being in that place and with your ancestral history, that's a lot. How how can I how do I be with that? I'm reminded of of uh Rilke in a little short poem. Let everything happen to you, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror just keep going. No feeling is final. No feeling is final. In fact, that we feel our feelings is what allows them to move through us rather than to happen to us. So this is this is a huge thing in looking at the trauma that we carry is that for the most part, we feel that this is happening to us and we react to it. But when we can really feel that and allow ourselves to be with it, it opens up a kind of integration 
that allows it to move and to move through us. And so that's I'm not giving you an answer, Sandy, either. I don't want I don't want to in any way diminish the the feeling of not being safe. In fact, it's so important to feel when you're not feeling safe, to feel not safe, to feel the fear, to feel the disruption and the activation and the and all that's happening there as much as we can. I want to bring in one more distinction that maybe can be helpful though. And that is resourcing and resilience. So first of all, we have amazing resilience as human beings. How do I know that? I'm here with you. <laughs> if I didn't have, re if my ancestors didn't have thousands and tens of thousands of years of resilience, I wouldn't be here. That's in my bones, my body, my breath. I have that resilience. So it's important to know that I am resilient. I can call on my ancestors. You can call on your grandmother. You can call on your, your ancestors for, for support. And they are there. They're in you. Ancestors aren't in the dust and the dirt. Ancestors are in our body. And so we have that opportunity for resilience. The other thing is resourcing. <laughs> so resourcing is what are my resources we need to know what our resources are our resources are like the friends that i can have no shit no bullshit conversation down to earth here's what i'm feeling and to be received and not be denied or pushed away that's a resource if we're having somebody like talking about his friend feel them be with them but that's not somebody that would be a resource for me a resource would be somebody that would listen and feel me and hear me. A resource would be walking in the woods for me. Whatever it is that, you know, when you get overly traumatized, you need to learn to resource yourself. What are my resources? A friendly face. You know, there are all kinds of, you know, what do you love to do? Do you love to do art to express yourself? That could be a resource or to sing. I don't know, bowling. Does anybody bowl anymore? You know, but whatever it is that you love is a resource for you. So when you get too far into it, I'm particularly talking about this sense I feel in, in, in you of a tidal wave over your head and that you can drop into that and resource yourself both from the resilience that is in you, but also for the things that you do that actually bring you solace and calm and allow you to meditation, contemplation, prayer, all of these things that can bring us back into our center and, and allow us to ground. So thank you. And please, good to see you. So, sorry. Take your time. Take your time. What Greg was saying brought up for me, such, I have such mixed feelings, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. Somebody can help me out. Um, he died recently. He was in uh, Congress. Uh, is it John Williams or Williamson who talked about good trouble? John Williams, yeah. Yeah, John and I, I read his a book about him and his life. And, you know, I was just, okay, what's, what's good trouble? How do you stand up when people say, oh, we don't want this to happen again? Well, of course not. But how do you do that without violence, without killing all these innocent people? You know, because of course, you know, you... you you don't want this to happen again. You want to restrain and restrict this, but how do you, there's got to be another way. You know, there's got to be another way besides all this, all this bloodshed and violence. And, you know, when I, when I see those trucks on the Egyptian border trying to get help to people and nobody will let them, it's just, I just feel like, you know, I feel like we all have to go there and, help them but i don't know it, it just i just have such mixed feelings because how do you how do you stop things from happening without violence you know i don't know i don't know the answer but it just that's what it reminded me of of, of his book you know the book that was written about him and how he would stand up against you know the oppression and the racism and the violence how, how do you do that you know and he and those people walking across that bridge just getting beaten and beaten and beaten but then you know that 
how do you stop that? You know, you can't stop talking about it. You can't stop action, but violence is never, like you said, it's not, it's never the answer. That's all. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. Feeling the, the dilemma. I'm calling on one of my teachers just to look right now because I'm thinking, what would Thich Nhat Hanh say? One of my beautiful teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh, would say, I, I believe that the other way is to be peace, to be peace in us. The thing about trauma is it separates us. That's the number one thing. Trauma creates a separation in our sense of relatedness. And we aren't separate. We're very much connected. Everything you're feeling, everything you're thinking, all of that is all happening in a big mishmash of civilization and humanity right now. So let me read a poem. Let's let's poetry is always a, a great way. And this is maybe some of you know the Stignat Han poem, Please Call Me by My True Names. And he says, Don't say that I will depart tomorrow. Even today I'm still arriving. Look deeply, look deeply. Every second I am arriving to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with still fragile wings, learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that is alive. I'm a mayfly metamorphizing on the surface of the river. And I'm the bird that swoops down to swallow the mayflower. I'm the frog swimming happily in the clear water of a pond. And I'm the grass snake that silently feeds upon its, that feeds itself on a frog. I'm the child in Uganda all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks. I'm the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I'm the 12-year-old girl refugee on a small boat who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I'm also the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I'm a member of the Politburo, with plenty of power in my hands, and I'm the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom all over the earth. My pain is like a river of tears, so vast it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please, please call me by my true names so I can wake up and the door of my heart could be left open, the door of compassion. So I, I just wanted to, you know, recognizing ourselves not only in the people that we agree with, but in the terrorist, in the oppressors, in the oppressed, in the dying, in the, you know, senseless killing. But it comes back to one thing. We have a break in our ability to relate to each other. And I want to take a moment to plug um, some of the work that I'm doing. So we have a number of different programs. We have an upcoming workshop here, a live workshop in Nevada City, California, which it's a beautiful place to visit, especially here in the fall now with all the colors changing. That's November 18th and 19th. You can get look at all of this on my website, which is wellloflight, W-E-L-L-O-F-L-I-G-H-T.com. So if you feel like coming and doing a live workshop, then I have an online workshop. And the workshop is Relational Intimacy, the Magic and Mystery of Authentic Relating. So I, in that, I make a distinction between relationship and relating. Relationship is a noun. When I talk about my relationship with my partner, my relationship with my mother, my relationship to my children, we're always bringing in the past because 
when I say relationship, it's a noun. It means that whatever was in the past is now informing me. So the courses and the work that I'm offering about are learning about relating versus relationship. So what is what connects us? What's emergent? What's alive? What moves through us? So relational intimacy, a lot of people ask me, is this about sex? No, <laughs> it's not about sex. This is about connecting authentically, transparently in a group of people that really want to be real and share their feelings. And it's very trauma-informed. It's, it's, I call it somatic anthropology. We're digging into the layers to integrate and to heal those, those layers so that we can have more capacity to meet the challenges that we're meeting. So the online one starts in November 8th. It's on Wednesdays, noon to 1.30 Pacific time. And there'll also be some lab work where we meet up online to do that. Those are a couple of things that we're offering here. We have live, live circles. And after the um, relational intimacy course, we'll probably start another online one. We just finished one that lasted for four years, been taking a break from being on the internet. But I feel now I need to come back and be more on the internet again. So, so that's a little bit about what we're offering. We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.